Let's go. <laughs> we back, y'all. We back. The yeah. Blackout Podcast. What's going on? My name's ODM, your host, Lot of Shade of Brown, RBG fam, all the above, the Blackout Podcast. Your mama's a favorite DJ, your daddy's favorite rapper from back in the day. Let's oh, get it cracking yeah. over here. We got my boy, resident DJ Danny Boy in the yo, mix. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? Yeah, Blackout Podcast. Subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you follow us. You already know, man. It's going to be cracking the block out. We got a special guest today, though. ODM, who it is? You already know, man. So this, I've been waiting for for some time now. I got to be 100 with you guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a, a series of uh, episodes. A lot of Shade of Brown. You know, hey, shout out to the fans, first and foremost. Thank you guys for coming. If you know of a lot of Shade, just early 90s hip-hop fan, tag them right now. You know what I'm saying? Share this vlog. And let them know, you know what I'm saying, we're about to uh, cook things up. Because I have the man sitting with me today who, how do I say, put it, who is the creator, the founder, and um, just all the above, man. X, Y, and Z. If if, if it wasn't for him, uh, not going to say there wouldn't be no ODM. <laughs> there might be a little R floating around there. You know what I'm saying? But he was responsible for the name ODM. Help coming up with that. Myself birthed me that. And he also birthed the group's name and everything else. Lighter Shade of Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, the homie, my brother, Cliff Richie Jr. What's up, man? What's up? Applause, 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 applause. I didn't know all that way to introduce you, man, other than the facts. That was like getting to the meat, bro. So I, I want to welcome you here to the podcast. And Glad to be here. I think it's been like uh, a good uh, maybe six years since we saw each other last. at the. Uh, I think it was at a concert me and Bobby did up in L.A., yes, right? up in L.A. It's been about six. Six. Actually, you know what? It's longer than that. I want to say ten. 10 years? It's been 10 years. Prior to that, or what do you mean? No, it's been 10 years. Since we did that show. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, damn, time keeps on slipping. Yes, it does. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here today, bro. You know, you're looking good. You're in good health. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you've always had that. I don't know what happened to the waves, though, man. You got to let go of the waves. Got to keep them maintained, so this is easier for the uh, old man to do. That's it. See, I had a haircut like that, bro, back in the day. Remember when I went to ball fade? (laughs) And then when that shit started receding, I had to just like let it grow out, bro. You know, but you know me. I don't I don't comb hair. I I wear hats anyway every day, all day. If you catch me on a good day, like church or something, you know, you might catch me with the (laughs) comb over side, whatever. That's at least the way my wifey likes it. But um, everything was cool. Everything drive was cool, man. Drive was cool. And I was very excited to be here and let uh, my truth be told. There it is. So let's get into it. Thank you guys for coming in right now. Again, please like this video before we get into this and mm-hmm. smash that subscribe button too if you're on YouTube. And uh, that way, you know, it'll help us out. And, and you know what I'm saying? All the caca rhythms, as they call it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> will we'll help this channel grow. So let's start. Um, Cliff, bro, come on, man. Like, I, I know about you from our experience, but I don't know the prior experience as far as, you know, your adolescence, whatnot. I knew you grew up in Riverside, correct? Correct. Uh, grew up in Riverside, was a shoe salesman, worked for Gallon Camp Shoes, and that's how I was able to finance a lot of things that I did, including uh, working out your demo and so forth. Yeah. Um, I was a concert promoter, um, promoted concerts at um, Metro. Um, how old were you at this time? Uh, it was 19, 1980, so I was, I was 12. What was I? 
18. So teenage, okay. You know, um, so you in the scene. Um, we did a, damn. I had a nightclub called Excursions. All right. And the nightclub was where uh, it was Walter was a, was Walter Murray's uh, dance studio during the weekend. On the weekend, I was able to do a kids teen club. Uh, there was also a club in San Bernardino, which I forgot the name of it. So Excursion was in Riverside. Excursion was in Riverside. The only teenage club in Riverside where blacks, whites, Latinos could come and dance. In San Bernardino, that was the hood spot, so that's where all the hardheads went. Yeah. And in Corona, uh, the club did all of the um, um, uh, techno and the, um, you know, uh, Boy George, all that. Um, uh, right, 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 right. New, new wave stuff. New wave stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the vibe like? Uh, you said blacks, whites, and mixed. Like everybody getting along? Like it, like in Riverside, everybody did get along. Uh, in San Bernardino, you had to, you know, it was still it was heavy gangs all around. But in San Bernardino, it was the blacks from the east side and the Latinos from the south side. And right, you go to that club and everybody's partial, you know, partial off. Right, our club, it was just everybody having a good time. And this was 1980. It's 1980. Wow. In downtown Riverside or Riverside? No, in uh, off of uh, Magnolia. Magnolia and uh, what was that place called? Uh, it was like a fun factory. Factor. You get your novelties. It was a wood building. Mm. Um, Is it still there? I don't know if it's still I think it's gone. What, mm. by, by Tyler Mall? Van yeah, Buren? Before, before Tyler. Um, somewhere in that area. Yeah, somewhere in that area. Uh, okay. that was, uh, and I've always wanted to be in the music business. Uh, I was... Learn just by asking questions, by uh, uh, seeing what other people were doing, uh, just following, you know, following their lead. And I was doing, well, my first record that I put out was um, an R&B record. Um, I was working at the warehouse, and one of the guys there sang, so I put a record out on him. The warehouse uh, record store. Yeah, the warehouse record store. Y'all don't know about the warehouse record store. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. That's when they actually sold, you know, you know, most of our audience knows it just came naturally, you know. When I was younger, I was playing records. I would always be the person playing records at the, at the uh, parties and so forth. Right. When I was cutting grass, I get my checks, my, my cash. I go to the record store. I would just that's where all my money went. Um, so I had a love of music. Right. You used to study the. I remember something, but you used to study the record labels, right? Yes. All the time. All the time. Uh, where they were from, manufacturing, what you, what came out. If it was a pickup record. You could tell by how the material in the record, if it's East Coast or if it's pressed on the West Coast, you know, so I put out the, my first record, was 45, I did a second record, did okay. And well, now, well, who was the artist? Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, the first artist was Sam Hancock. Okay. And he redid, uh, I had him do a cover, one of my favorite songs, which is What Becomes of the Broken Hearted. Sam Hancock, that sounds like a 60s artist, huh? <laughs> Like, here's Sam Hancock. Hey, like, I'm too young for that, bro. <laughs> next to Donald Bird or like right. Herbie Hancock. No relation. Never mind. No, no. Okay. And then my second <laughs> single was a group from LA called Mainstream. Yeah. And it was a song called Got to Have Your Love. Both recorded here in Riverside. Yeah. Uh, Michael Verling's um, Studio One. Okay. Which is over where the golf course used to be off of uh, um, Van Buren. Van Buren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still you there. Yeah. Um, I tried to keep everything. You know, um, um, local. You know, as far as, as doing things, I was very pro home base. Yeah, I got my first loan from a company of a bank called Mission Bank. I was always doing, like I said, concerts, doing events, and I got caught up in this um, um, battle of the bands. Mm. And that's how I met Fabian and his and his brothers initially, because okay. they they helped do all my sound and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
But then something was happening uh, in L.A., and it was a movie called Whilst Out, and breaking was starting to just come into play and everything. So Hell yeah. It never came to Riverside. So I booked the movie, played it at the De Anza Theater. That was my go-to place right, right. on, a, on, a, on a Central, no, Central um, University. Downtown. Downtown. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we had, a, um, we had a rap battle. You come in and you rap. After the contest, we had the movie, and you could you know, see the movie. So let me stop you right there. Okay. So your idea, your vision was to bring whatever, this is funny because it's still happening today, whatever hap- was happening in L.A., you wanted to bring that to the Inland Empire. Correct. Because there was no outlet for there that. There was no outlet for that. And you were the man to do it. Yes. Hell that's yeah, dope, dude. dude. And it's still like that today. Yeah. Everybody always gravitates from the Inland Empire, and they go to L.A. because, I mean, let's face it, that's where everything hits. They slaps first, you know. It's you LA. get your trend, you get it. But there's so much talent, and, and, and it all it takes is the vision. So what do we do next? Oh. So no, no, you're telling your story about okay, downtown. So, so you got into the 45s and everything, and then your goal was to put out music, obviously. Yeah, just put out music. Um, yeah. But the rap, uh, this rap thing was starting to happen, so I gravitated toward that. Had a, a contest and had Rodney Oliver, who went to Poly High School, and Mark Ross, who... It's funny because he's saying the government names. Rodney Oliver is Rodney O. Rodney O and Joe Cooley, man. One time for Rodney O. This dude right here put out, man, come on, man. You got to say, like, Cliff put out Rodney O's very first record, who very he didn't know record. was from the Inland Empire, from Reno Valley or? From, from, uh, from Riverside. Riverside. Yeah. Ooh, what a he went to Poly High School. And then Mark Ross, who, well, it's also going to Poly, if I remember right. He came in, they both just rapped. And I think we had maybe 20 people rapping, but. Those two guys were the ones that I did it by choice, you know, by uh, uh, how many, by yells and screams. Yeah, yeah. Rodney got um, a lot, you know what I mean. But Mark did got he a come lot in too. like, yeah, yeah, boy. No, he. Yeah, no, what's up, Cliff? He just came. <laughs> it's funny because if you hear his the first their first recording, Rodney. you hear their first recording. Yeah. His tagline, um, "This is R to the O to the anyway," is done on that record, and he duplicates it. That was his, his tag throughout the throughout his career. Now, what you know about that, Moons? What you know about that? <laughs> R to the O to the D N E Y. Now what's that spell? Rodney, that's right. Everlasting mm. bass, man. That's dope. So that's what you were looking for. Did the it sounded like you were looking for something unique out of that talent or whatever. Yeah, I didn't know really what I was trying to do, but I they got studio time. The winning price was you get studio time yeah. over at Michael Verlin's studio. You okay. Know? Yeah. Um but Mark got, and that's Mark Ross, who was known as Brother Marquise from the Two Light Crew. Yeah, I was going to say, who was his nickname? Oh, say Brother Marquise, yeah, man. Brother Marquise. Why you got to call out government I, names for? Come on. I, you know what? I've always done that, though. I've never used it. <laughs> well, name. you know Robert and Bobby. <laughs> that's why we got, you guys, man, you're the reason why we kept saying Robert and Bobby for the first three years, man. But anyway, we'll get into um, that later on. You know, I made, I wanted them both to win. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I talked to Rodney about it. And uh, they got together and about... A week later, we were in the studio, and uh, we did a beat. We sampled Grace Jones's um, Ooh. Um, 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 Ooh. "Nipple to the Bottle," okay, and that was uh, came up with Caution Crew for their name, and they recorded a record. So the name of the crew was called Caution Crew. Caution Crew. And Brother Marquise from Two Life Crew, as we know him, and Rodney O, Rodney O, and Joe Cooley together on the same vinyl, and you put that out yourself. Put that out myself. We did that record, did very well, created a buzz, came back with a second record, and we added Pete Smith from, uh, from Rialto to the group. So it was three of them. Jay called, Smooth? Yeah, Jay Smooth. 
Jay Smooth. Uh, it was called uh, West Side Story. So it sounded similar to um, 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 Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five. Oh, my uh, bad. So I was thinking West Side Story was the first single. No, West Side Story is the second single. Oh, okay. And the first one was called again? Rhythm Rock. Rhythm Okay. All right. Now, I know West Side, that's, that was the one that really Yeah, that's one that really, really did what it had to do. And I still had the club going on. Right. Um, I was... Did you have them perform at the club? Well, they did perform at the club, but the, 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 the connection story here of how Mr. Campbell got involved, uh, Luke Campbell. Of? Two La Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Luke. <laughs> he was the road manager for, we we picked Trenere, Debbie Deb, um, group called Freestyle, and Pretty Tony. And he happened to be the road manager for, you know. For Uncle Luke was? Uncle Luke was. Wow. Now, and I'm skipping right here, so pardon me. I'm just trying to say yeah, yeah, things yeah. to cover. Um, we had, my DJ at the club was Mr. Mix, Dave Hobbs. Yeah. And Chris was his was his partner. And they just got out of the military. So they were um, um, trying to get into the music game as well. So yeah. they had a record out. It was doing okay, but um, it was they, them performing at the club when Luke and them were there with, uh, with managing with yeah. his groups. Now, I was got in trouble prior to my concert, so I was away at the old Riverside County Jail while they were building the new Riverside County Jail for uh, for tickets, uh, driving crazy and so forth. And you know, yeah. they got me because I was putting up uh, poster boards. You're not supposed to hang. Any poster boards in? Who remembers yeah. posting up the poster boards? Cats still do that, man, to this day. You want to do a party, you see them off the freeway? Hey, man, they got a whole street team for that. Ronnie wound up being signed to being picked up by uh, Egyptian Lover. I had no contracts on any of my artists at the time, so I appreciate... Well, you know, I, I've been, I was been blessed because after Rodney, I, I didn't... I never wanted to block any artist from making a move that they felt was good for their career. Sure, yeah. You know? And so... Um, um, but after Rodney left over, um, Egypt got a hold of me. He said, I got something for you. You know, he, I got a $300 check. Just. Wait, I'm sorry. You, you stumbled on that one. How much? Oh, 2500 2500 Okay. You know, because. Told I, you that he had a $2,500 yeah, check? Yeah, and he, okay. gave me, he gave me that. For, in exchange for the. In exchange for not creating any problems. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, creating waves. Got and you. And doing things with Rodney. Um, I never got anything from Luke, but, you know, that's cool. You know, Dave called and said, hey, what's going on with Mark? I need somebody. Um, I gave him Mark's number, and two days later, Mark was on his way to Miami. And that's how he became part of the uh, Two Life Crazy, bro. So he had Rodney O under his belt, and he had Two Life Crew basically underneath their belt as yep. well. Oh, brother Marquise. And had they not moved on, or maybe if there was agreement signed or something, then it would have been a different scenario. Maybe there wouldn't have been a two-lap crew, or maybe, the, well, there wouldn't be well, a LeBron or Marquise. Yeah, it wouldn't be a, yeah, they, Mark would not have been in the group. There was always a two-lap crew with, uh, with, uh, Oh, okay, with Luke with, and uh, Chris. No, before Luke, with Chris and Dave. They gotcha. were always two-lap crew. Oh, that's right, that's right. You know. Shout out to Mr. Mix, man. Hey. Riverside's always had, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Al Wilson, uh, the singer of Show and Tell. Right. He, he's from, from, you know, from yeah, Riverside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of artists that are from, you know, from Riverside. Yeah. And, and take, you know, stay claim to that. Um, so once that was happening, I had to close the club down because there was an incident. And um, you know, wait a minute, you said Al Wilson. Yeah, you're taking credit for Al, Al no, Wilson. No, no, no. Discovered I'm saying, Al, no, I'm saying Al Wilson was someone from Riverside. Oh, okay. I'm I thought maybe that. you had your hands on. No, 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 okay, no, no. in that down. Who? There was another artist. Um, I think I want to say it was from Riverside as well. It was a rapper that came. 
It was in the 80s as well. Uh, but it started with a B. Uh, oh, uh, Byron Davis? Yes. And the Get Fresh crew. Yeah. San Bernardino. Talk about IE roots right there, okay. boy. Now, from one of the one of the Get Fresh crew cats, his name was, uh, he was really, he was with the group, but he wasn't with the group. And when Byron went to Florida yeah. to sign with um, Foresight Records, um, the kid stayed here, you know, because he was too young and mom didn't want him in the business at all. So, um, he started writing and doing things for me. Mm -hmm. That's how um, I got turned on to a girl named April B. That was his girlfriend. Now, with April B, we did an answer to the Fly Guy by the um, uh, Boogie Boys. They had the Fly, uh, fly Girl, right? We had I remember fly that. Guy. Fly Guy, yep. Um, we got the record out and started making some noise. Tommy Boy picked up the master for $3,000. So I was thinking, okay, we're going to have a record out. It's going to do well. Danny, do you know any of these records he's talking about? No, I don't. I really don't. You, you've I'm heard like, of Fly Girl, right? A Fly Girl, a Fly Girl, Fly. See, Danny's young. I gotta, he, so I got to listen to it, and then once I listen to it, then I'll be like, oh. So Reply like, Records were reply big records were back then. You know, so um, we did that, and, and they shelved the record. They didn't want our record competing against a female record that they were just putting out. Mm. You know, so... We still ran with what we did, but I wasn't able to really you know, go after, you know, chase the record. I've always loved samples. I've always loved covers, you know, and so, you know, that's just what the nature of the beast was business-wise. Right. Now, let's talk about, let me pause right there. Let's talk okay. about sampling in those days. I mean, obviously, around this time, we're talking 88, 89, 90, and, and, and we're hearing a lot of samples from... Uh, James Brown. Right. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, James Brown just, you wouldn't, Something happened because James Brown, you stopped hearing his samples on people's records. And then people, companies started, right, like, like, like noticing, oh, noticing. shit, like, you know, we can get paid. Like, they're yep. using our music for hip hop. You were around that time. Tell, tell us exactly, you know, in your, your thoughts, what would happen. People just not started getting greedy. And, and, and I'll be, I'll be, I was guilty in the beginning of just sampling a record just to sample it because we, you know, we didn't know any better. But as we progressed, you yeah, know. Because that's what hip hop was. That's hip exactly. Right. Um, but as we started doing things, it made better sense to uh, acknowledge the writer or the record label that you lifted the beat from or the idea from or the concept from. Right. You know, give them their, their, their credit because if it wasn't for that idea, you wouldn't have the idea that you had, you know, to make your own record off of. Right. You know? And so, um, but we were the first, or I was the first to, to, to do a lot of samples and right. the first to do a record. Smiling Faces was the first time anybody ever sampled that. For Big Lady, Lady K. K. Yep. Um, you know, the, again, the Tina Turner record, the Faisal, uh, Riding High. Nobody has sampled that. We won't say how, how it all happened. You know, she wound up getting signed to Priority Records. The right. only female artist ever signed directly to Priority Records. Shout there out were some to other that. females, but they were there by way of uh, the two girls, Funky Expedition. Well, what about uh, um, uh, Oaktown 357? Or? They were on Hammer's record, MC uh, Hammer's label. Yeah. But he, oh. he wasn't had nothing to do with uh, uh, okay. Priority. Um, and we... We're trying to finish her album out, and we had a song called uh, Express Yourself. I got a hold of Romeo and Jam and James, by the way. Their uh, manager, Doug Young, was the um, uh, rap coordinator at Priority. Mm. So when I had Big Lady K there, it made sense. You know, Brian Turner, who was the president of, 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 of Priority, wanted to have uh, somebody you know, there that he could you know, re you know, work with. And let me say this. What you saw in that NWA movie, 70% of that movie is true. But Brian Turner was not what you see on screen. Jerry Heller was not what you see on screen. Ooh. You know, um, 
and everybody. In was terms high. of what? What do you mean? They made Brian look like he was a little pussy, and he definitely was not a pussy. When Q went up there with a baseball yeah, bat? Yeah, Q did come go up there with a baseball bat, but Brian said, go at it, you know? Yeah. And Q did what he had to do, got his frustrations out, and he got charged for it. Brian got his money back, had Q record on that label. Q didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, he just had to let it out. It's all right. about the, the scene where, he, you know, Ice Cube goes because he didn't get his money. Right, okay. and you know, and that's that is true, you know. And he did get his money; they all got paid. Right, you got to remember, you had what, five, seven guys in that group: production company, uh, manager, lawyers. Everybody was getting their piece of it, you know. So, so during that ONWA phase, that's when obviously Big Lady K was signed on yes. uh, Priority. Yes, she wasn't she on Ruthless. No, she was signed to Priority Records. Okay, directly. Directly, um, you know, uh, we got a video on her first single. I always had an office at whatever record label I was working out of to keep in hand and, and help with the development of my, you know, yeah. my artist. And um, Easy was in Brian's office, and Brian said, well, "Easy wants to talk to you." I don't know why. Like, like, why would Easy want to talk to you? You know. And um, Easy came to my office. I, I went, got him, came to my office, talked, and I got a check of five thousand dollars from him, and just a shake of hand. He says, "You know, just thank you very much." And again, that's for not um, creating any havoc and just. Being chill about it, you know. So easy, cut you a check. This was yes. the second time getting cut second a check for a check. basically exchanging it for your artist. Exactly, you know, and 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 not being a you know being a dick about anything. Again, that's if you dope. could do something better than what you've got with me, then I was going to say that's dope because they didn't he didn't have to pay you shit. No, he didn't he, have to at all because you'd have no legal bindings no. between the um, the group. Not at all. But easy was just he was like. Uh, um, Big Lady K, she was still in the hood, even out here, and she messed up on something. And he came out on his own, came all the way out to Riverside to talk to her, to tell her to get her, you know, get her shit together. So when he cared about somebody, he, you know, he 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 stepped in and he helped out. Easy was a real one, and that's he was a, a real one. That's a great definition of, you know, good things happen to great people, man. Yeah, it's dope. He was also the first cat who, at that point, Easy signed. Uh, what's that girl's name? I can't remember. She was signed uh, something B. Um, but he signed a white girl rapper. He signed um, 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 Icy Blue. Oh no, it wasn't Icy. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she was another female rapper. I don't know around that time. And she was she was signed to this um, the Latin group uh, Brownside. Okay, that's right. He signed Brownside. You know, he he signed everybody. He was a all you know if you had the talent and you know he put he took you out. It's all about relationships. So you know what you do with somebody is always going to lead into. Uh, you're using somebody or working with somebody, not using that way, but, you know, right. working with someone, you know, down the, the network. Line. The ne yeah, networking. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, back to the story here, what I was trying to say is we ran out of sample, uh, a budget for our sample, you know, to use samples on Big Lake K's album. And we did uh, respect, I mean, uh, uh, express yourself. I didn't have any more money to clear it, so I couldn't use it on her album. Right. All right. Um, I will say this, I drained him, heard it from Brian. And about three weeks later, they had their own their version of Express Yourself. So no one had that sample until we did it with Big Lady K over at Priority Records. Mm. I don't care what anybody fucking says, and I dare anyone to try and uh, 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 prove me wrong Let on it. Let it be known, Cliff. Speak your piece. This is the platform to do. It's the blackout, damn it. Let them know. <laughs> hey, listen, we're going um, to take a little quick break because uh, this all leads to Cliff's, you know, history of being in music and creating and establishing a lot of these groups and putting them together and whatnot. This all leads to the next step, which is Lighter Shade of Brown, which came after Big Lady K, 
So we're going to go there next. Give us 30 seconds. Hey, what's up? It's ODM from Lighter Shade of Brown. And if you're seriously hurt or in a car accident and you don't know what to do, let the Munoz Lawyers attorneys take care of that for you. The attorneys at Munoz Lawyers have made it a point to get lawyer active, baby, and get you paid out and your car fixed all from A to Z. So don't stress it. Let the number one accident attorneys in SoCal handle your case and get you what you deserve. Y si hablan español, no es problema. Porque son Latinos activos. Call the Munoz Lawyers today, 855-MUNOZ-LAW. That's 855-MUNOZ-LAW. Law or visit MunozLawyers.com. Brought to you by Munoz Lawyers. Munoz Lawyers is registered DBA for Munoz and Munoz Attorneys at Law. Attorney advertising results may vary. Welcome back to the Blockout Podcast. Woo-hoo! It's your boy ODM, DJ Danny Boy in the mix, resident DJ. We got Cliff Richie here, the man, the myth, the legend, the saga, the... What other the names I should call you, bro? Um, um, um... The star maker. No, the, just the star hey. maker. <laughs> In the building, man, right now. So let's let's continue on. We were talking about Big Lady K because after Big Lady K comes Lighter Shaded Brown. I know y'all can't wait to hear about how that was assembled, but finish off, man. I wind up getting, um, um, moving on to another job working at Mobile Gas where I was making good money and I could have my afternoons and my nights free or however I need to free to, you know, to work with the business. Right. Big Lady K would always come by, um, you know, get her, her big coke and so forth. I worked at Mobile, right on University, right by the uh, the freeway. Okay. And she kept telling me, and at this time, um, music structures had changed. There was some, uh, we had Frost that was making some noise, and we had Melamanes, um, um, uh, who was making some noise. You know, so I was aware of what was going on there, but just nothing, nothing major. She kept telling me about this this cute guy, and he could rap. Like she, she was just surprised he could rap, and he's and, he, and he's Mexican. You know, that was her whole thing. Like, he's Mexican. He, he's just, you know, he's dope. You got to meet him. You got to meet him. And I think I said no. Uh, just, I think it's a no for maybe the first three months. And then I said, okay, you know what? Let me hear him. Have him call me. Let me, let me ask you, what, were you hesitant to work with a Mexican rapper at that time because he was Mexican? I was hesitant because a lot of Mexican artists. And, and I don't mean to say that bluntly. I mean, I mean just because no, you know, it was, there weren't any others other than Melo and Frost. Right. And they actually weren't. Kicking it the way that they should have been, you know, working. It wasn't. It wasn't happening. Mm. But I've known, dealing with a lot of, of, of Mexican Latin artists, that their career is, is, is self destructs. You know, um, they get a good run, and then for whatever reason, it it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, even though, like Malo, El Chicano, um, 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 Tierra, they all had their success, and they've all continued on. Basically, there was a point that. They didn't, right? You know, and I just—I was just tired. I was um, really didn't know what I wanted to get into. Was it like like a lot of one-hit wonders? Is that what it was? Um, they not were, calling them one-hit wonders, but we all think of their one hit. and We can think of the. So it was hard. It was hard work for you know for them, and just that that's, that whole vibe with, with working with uh, uh, Latin artists or Chicano artists. Just right. it was different, and it was a world that I was not. Um, um, and no one was really sold on it yet, because no. you're talking like. The beginning of a movement that hadn't even sizzled yet, hadn't even surfaced. Not at all. I don't know if I said this. Like when, when DJ Faye, did we talk about how I met Big Lady K at uh, the uh, at school? No, you didn't. So Big Lady K, she used to go to North, right? No, La Sierra. Hold on, she got transferred. Oh, that's from right, North, from North. That's and right, she that's got right. kicked out. Right. She was doing bad. Her and her brother Curtis Chambers. That's right. Okay. Shout out to Curtis. So they moved over to. They came to La Sierra. I had just bought 
or single, don't get me started at I the didn't warehouse. I know that. Okay. So I remember her face vivid, like, dude, like the next week, like I was in the mall, I was doing my thing, I just came across the yard. I don't know if I heard of her on, on radio, if I saw her on video or whatever, but I saw this girl and she I was like, dude, I bought the vinyl. And um, the next week, she gets transferred to my school to La Sierra High, Riverside, and I go, stop, starstruck. You know what I'm saying? You see somebody who got a record out, and you're going, wow. And I'm going, dude, I know who you are. I remember what she was wearing. She had on like this white long sleeve. Uh, it was a, it was a, uh, the long sleeve shirt, white, you know, pro club shirt, whatever, underneath these blue Dickies uh, suspenders. <laughs> you know, Dickies were, and, and she had one um, off and one on, you know, the way they used to rock them, you know. And uh, I forgot how her hair was. I think it was like in, I don't know if it was braided or whatever. And she came up. I was like, what's up? Hey, you're Big Lady K. And she's like, yeah, what's up, homie? She was really cool. And uh, I was like, hey, man, my, my, my name's Robert. You know what I'm saying? I go by Little R. And I said, I just bought your vinyl last week. I, go, I, I, I rap too. And you know, she introduced me to Curtis, her brother, because he was right there. And, and Curtis always beatboxed. <laughs> and I was always mesmerized the way he beatboxed. He was really dope. And they were like a little tag team. So uh, she had asked me, she was like, all right, well, you know, let me hear you. So I was like, all right. So I busted at lunch. It was. She then said, okay, you pretty dope for a Mexican. And I was like, man, all right. Well, whatever that is, whatever that means. (laughs) Hey, I grew up on Rock Can, Big Daddy Can. And you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. That's the thing. She was like, no, you dope. I go, what's up with your manager? And there's where she walked me over to the school, high school payphone. Okay. And I called you, and, and there's where she introduced me, made the introduction. Right. So go ahead. Do you that remember works. that conversation? I do remember that conversation. I, I didn't know a lot of stuff you just told me right now. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know all That's that. how it led up to that phone call, Cliff. And you, you were at work? You were doing, you were at work? Yeah, I was at work. I worked all the time, just made killer money just by working and running the station, you know? I, I just remember rapping for you over the phone. And I was, I was, and I remember at that point, I said, okay, you know, we'll try something out. That's when, um, um, I had we came to your house, me and Fabian, to you know, Jam and James. No, was it Jam and James? Already? Come on, Claire. No, 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 no. I know he was involved. We just talked about this. I thought it was Fabian first. No, and then uh, I met uh, Fabian later. You introduced me to Fabian. I was DJ list. It was because uh, you were solo, right? You brought Clip. You brought. I oh, rapped yeah. you over the phone. We made an appointment, and you brought Jam and James over to my my grandma's crib where I was living at, and he brought his four track. Wow, I love that And we did a de- You had sent me the beats prior. I think James had cooked them up, and, and somehow you you mailed them on a cassette. Somehow I got them, okay. and I wrote to them. And you came out, and we recorded uh, those three demos. Fabian and I, was we were talking about it. It was uh, um, um, El Vario, and it was to that uh, lakeside. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's all the way live. It's all the way live. We did a... Um, Oye, uh, como va? Yeah. I love that one. <laughs> and we did it in the four track in my in my room. Okay, so we get the we get the demo done. Um, Frost and Melman started making a little bit more noise. I shopped it around, you know, took it to Priority Records and took it to TSR, a couple other independent labels, and just no buzz. You know what I mean? They didn't like the songs and just they didn't understand the concept. Um, I said, well, let's uh, step our game up. Let's go into this go to the studio, I booked Paramount. Mm. But uh, Mr. Gutierrez here wanted to go, and it's okay, you know, he just, he'd been on Riverside for almost a year, I think it was. A couple years, yeah. A couple years. Here in 89. One of his friends, or was, was having a birthday party, and that's, that's what he wanted to go, he wanted to go to the birthday party, and I said, well, I got studio booked. 
And I remember giving you, I said, well, you know, I'm going to come be there to pick you up. If you're there, cool. If you're not, I don't know what we're going to do. And I go to pick him up at your house mm. and you weren't, you were gone. Mm. Now you told your mom, if you remember that you were going to the studio, but you went to the party instead. Uh Oh, she I'll put me on blast down with moms. <laughs> 30 plus three hey. Years hey, how, how long were we shopping a demo? By your, when it was just you by yourself? Or? Up until this time. Um, until this party where I went to Orange County. What were we doing? Was it six months in? Because I, I knew it but, took a while. Because yeah. I, would, I would go back to school, Cliff, after my demo. And I was just, it was all phone calls because, you know, he lived in L.A. So he would call me and be like, yeah, well, I'm like, how's it going? Well, we got a meeting with Warner Brothers. Blah, 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 blah. I'll let you know how it goes. Cool. Next day, oh, we got a meeting with so-and-so. I'll let you know. And, and, he, all the, and I'm like, cool, cool. Me, of course, you know. You know, you give some. I'm, I'm a young 16-year-old, man. You tell somebody in my ear, I, I blow it up to the extreme. I go to the school. Yeah, man, I'm about to get a record deal. I'm about to get derailed. <laughs> to the point where people got di- just tired of hearing yeah, me. Yeah, tired you know of hearing me. Like, you know. dude, wait till you're on MTV, then come talk to us. I remember they would tell me that, and I'd be like, all right, whatever. And I was woofing that all school year. I was tired. I was, I was impatient. You know, I wanted it right then and there. You know what I'm saying? I, I, was, I was going to L.A., back and forth and and um i was trying to you know I, I got tired of hearing this it was like all right cool cool we're gonna meet with this we're gonna... but i didn't realize it that that it takes these things take time man people just like overnight you know record deals just don't happen you know and we were very fortunate very fortunate um but uh i couldn't cancel the studio time so i wouldn't fabian had bobby uh, uh dwtx with him and so i kept the studio since so just go and just you know just do whatever. Yeah. And Bobby was good at mimicking other artists. Like he sound dead like them. <laughs> and so, you know, um, he just went in messing around with some beats and stuff. And he, he did it, uh, something that sounded like easy. He did something that sounded like heavy D. And he did, um, I forgot who the other, uh, I think it was Too Short, I think it was. You know, that he sounded like. Right. I'm like, okay, let me try. I, and I got mad at you. And I said, you know what? Fine. You know, go to your Cause party. Because I was in the party in Orange County. Yeah. So yeah. I said, you know, go, to, go to all the parties you want, you know. And that was it. And I was, I was just, I was really upset. And um, so I was, I don't know what I was, I was thinking at that point. I was like, you know, damn it. You know, like I, like, like that one move just completely threw me off. Yeah. Um, but I went ahead and just let people hear Bobby. Same people that heard you the first time. And they're like, oh. He sounds like this person. You have anything that, that of his that is him. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna get something together. And so you get something together. Oh, so the record labels were saying he sounds like he's a copycat yeah, he's rapper. A copy he sounds guy. like all these. Okay. Like, Brian Turner even said, why do I need anybody who sounds like Easy E? Because I have Easy E. You know. That makes sense. And I was like, well, he's a Latin cat. It's different. And Brian's like, oh, but he's no. Mexicano. <laughs> Mexicans do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. You know. So um. I spent a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I really wanted to try and make something happen. I wasn't in a position to put a record out on my own. My goal at that time was once I got the taste of Big Lady K signed to Priority, I wanted to, you know, start working with, you know, with labels. Yeah. And then uh, I, think James, I think it was James who said, you know what, just put them together. I mean, what do you mean put them together? He says, there's no group out there. I said, they don't know each other. He says, how many groups are put together that don't know each other? You know what I mean? And that was the whole, you know, we put them together. Yeah. You know, um, he didn't like it. Odium didn't like it at all. Bobby had this, you know, uh, you know, whatever, because you know he just, you know, he, yeah. he, you know, let's just let's just do it. And that their relationship has always been just water and what is it, water and um, 
um, ice, water and gas, oil and water, oil and water. You know, um, we get um, we get this song called called TJ Nights. Um, I took it to the to the to the rounds again, but this time I was able to go to Quality Records. Now Alan Franco, who was a friend of mine that I met when I was doing concerts and stuff, up you know, he was also a promoter. He had Timmy T signed there. And he knew Sammy, and he said, hey, go there. they're looking for artists, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might like, you know, your group. And I remember going over there and realizing who I was actually going to go see. It was Russ Regan. I mean, I've, I mean, he is, Russ Regan, I mean, he is one of the, um, if you ever read the book called The Hitman, there's seven men in the music business who are just ruthless guys. Mm. He's the seventh one, you know. And, oh, and, shit. Oh, you know, yeah. I never knew that. You need to, you know. I knew he uh, signed like Barry uh, Barry White, didn't he? Barry White, um, Elton um, John, uh, Elton John, right. Olivia Newton, Olivia Newton John. Um, he ran bro. 20th Century Records. He ran uh, he ran Universal Records. He ran Motown Records. I mean, his first job was working with Motown promoting a Supremes record. Um, um, I forgot the name of that record. Um, for all these years, if you ever went to his office, it, it was always right behind him. Yep. And yep. I always wondered why that record was there. And that, that was his first record that he that he you know he ever worked. He, he was part of the work with the Beach Boys. It, it was exciting to me. Right. And and Russ's office is a big office at the time. You know, I think the whole office at the time was on the first floor of a building. And it was just Russ's office and everybody else was on the corner. But uh, I played uh, TJ Knights and we played two other two other I can't remember, two other demos. I want to say uh, Alvario, no? I think it was a, it was it was Alvario, and TJ Knights, and Latin actor. Yep. You know, so the original Latin actor, radio, yep. No, original before the even the original. I mean, yes, yeah. It was really the first rough. ever copy. Yeah, it was rough, bro. <laughs> but um, they liked the concept, and you know, um, um, they said, okay, well, we'll get back to you, and we'll let you know. I left the office, and went home, and I went home. I stopped at uh, at, at Vons to get something to eat. I get a phone call in the store, and Sammy says, uh, "Can you come back and we want to talk to you again?" They want to see me that. That same day, so I come back and I get, get to like eight o'clock and we start talking, and uh, Russell went, went off you a you know contract, and so I got the paperwork. I remember going to my lawyer, getting paperwork for you and for for Bobby. I had told you guys, um, here's a list of lawyers that you can deal with. You don't have to deal with my lawyer, you know. And I, let me say, if it wasn't for O's mom, I don't even think he'd be where he's at. I mean, she she was on my ass. And everybody's yeah. asking him to, to, to handle her son, handle the business. Uh, if it wasn't right, she let you know it wasn't right. And if it wasn't right and we were someplace else, you'd see her there before we were even there to make sure that My her, mom had yes. my back. Like Shout out to Mama Gloria. Percent. Yeah, she did. She she was in everything. I mean, because I was a minor. You know, yeah. Bobby was uh, four years older. You know what I'm saying? And you were still under 18? Yeah, yeah 17, 18. 16 when you signed, 17 when, you know, things... Damn, started cracking. Dude. Youngster, bro. That's crazy. Fresh out of high school. I mean, she had it even hooked up where I even had a side contract with her that if anything happened to him, she could come after me. And, I, you know, uh, so she was it was worth it. You know, it was worth it. To, to, she didn't know about them, them 40 ounces, though. <laughs> I was, was drinking out of Glendale apartment in the studio, which you haven't even talked about yet. Damn. <laughs> and the Thunderbird and Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's still trying to All deny. He's going to take that to his grave. Boy, that's why he didn't bring it up. <laughs> Hey, yeah, hey, 
let me put this in perspective, all right? So we're sitting at what it was one day at his at his apartment, at his studio apartment. We talked about this on a previous podcast, how we recorded everything. But we were chilling there. And I remember, dude, like all I wanted to do was go to LA was to record and drink a vote. Because you know, I was doing that at home. It wasn't just in LA, obviously, you know. High school years, right? Uh, but I remember uh I couldn't buy it. So I needed Cliff to go buy it or somebody else or You're Fabian else. or whoever's 21. He's not going <laughs> to fess up to it to this day because he know my mama watching. <laughs> but uh, Cliff, come out. I remember just him coming out because I didn't want to write my lyrics. I was messing around, fucking around, doing something. He goes, Robert, if you don't write your lyrics, you don't finish your verse, you're not getting a 40. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What? Or whatever, man. I finished up that day. I'm like, bro, two or three of them that day. Shit, just to get that photo. My memory's kind of, kind of hazy. Yeah, because I would go on the weekends. I mean, obviously, out of school, and then on, on, on the weekends, I'd, 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 would I stay the night, or we'd go and come back? No, you you would stay. So we'd go up with Fabian, and Fabian, he talked about he had his old Nissan truck, and they would make me sit in the back when it was legal to sit in the back of a truck all the oh, way to L.A., in the back of a truck, and whatever. And then him and Bobby... You know, and we'd get there, and yeah, we'd go post up at your spot, and that is where we recorded. Yep, that's where Two Down recorded. That's where. So um, that deal happened then after TJ Knight's, like when you showed him that. that well, demo. yeah. So where he's in the office of Russ Regan, and then how do we get this deal? Um, they like TJ Knight's. They like the concept. They like uh, uh, what it could be, and the fact that this was the first group, the first Latin group that you know would be out making record. They were out. It was only maybe eight months prior, but they were the first group out of the, before Cypress Hill and before uh, mm-hmm. Caddy Lifestyle and all of these other right. guys. And but the thing with Lighter Frost City, was the one that, that had his, his record out, right? Frost and Mello, right? Uh, had the. Had Do you remember the the, uh, the postcard that Frost sent us? He I, was in London. I can't remember. I do remember. Yeah. Uh, um, we used to, we used to get so much. I mean, for, once the record came out, we got so much mail from so many people. You know. Um, uh, reacting to the group and wanting to, to know more about them and for a long time um, they didn't know him as, as they know one was known as the tall one and one was known as the little one we didn't have people were, did not have the concept of who they were yet they knew Shiro right you know what I mean but they didn't know the boys names and it, we took a conscious effort to let them know that you know we got ODM and we got DWTX it was never like that though it oh, was no, no, always no, Robert it, and Bobby Robert no, and Bobby no, well we weren't using your, your 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 government names to to radio, and it was really important at that point right. that we did go ahead and 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 um, uh, give them an identity. You know, um, we we were very supportive of the group. We had problems off and on with the group, but I don't know if they really understood the uh, the the goal and the like interest the that it was it, really yeah. making them who they were. Boom! We get signed, TJ Knights. Then all of us, that was a single deal with an option for an album, correct? Correct. Okay, so we worked with TJ Knights, and then they came back when and offered us an album. See, TJ Knights, if I remember, came out, and it was August. Yeah. We just shot the video down, yep. down, you know, down in TJ. Yep. Um, what's funny is uh, they're wearing Cleveland Brown jackets. Yep. At that time, Foot Locker None, they only carried jackets that were in their, their yeah. market. We actually had to get that jacket, and we only, it was only one from a Foot Locker in Cleveland. In the East Coast, yeah, yeah. You know, we were trying to get five, we could only get three, and we had to go to three different stores in order to get those jackets, but they, they came in and people people loved it. Um, 
I bring that up because things were so um, uh, separate at that at that time. You know, it wasn't as as uh, easy to get things as it was now, and people wanted to start knowing like, where are they from? TJ? Are they from Mexico? Are they from San Diego? Are they from? Uh, what about that Filipino kid? And we didn't have a Filipino kid in the group, but Bobby uh, uh, um, um, looked like he was, you know, Filipino. So right. that helped us uh, uh, work in certain markets. I think in the beginning, you wanted it a lot more than, you know, um, than Bobby did, and then Bobby wanted it more than you did. And it was work. This group, from the time TJ Nice really started making noise, they worked nonstop. I mean, I went, we went through three years, missing birthdays, Christmases. Uh, they were on the road. And if they weren't on the road, we were making records, we weren't making records, we were doing videos, or we were on the boulevard. I remember taking like van rides across town to tech, you know, across the country to Texas. You remember when we did our first club in Texas, Simon yes. the Diamond? Wow. And Alan Hammer. First Those club. Those cats ever. right there, huh? First first gig ever. Um nice. out out of state. Okay. Uh aside of the Phoenix. We had a car show we did in Phoenix. It was our mm. very first one out of that was a big show. I posted some photos up. I'll see if I can grab them. That was the one with um 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 Tony and um I'm your puppet. Um, Hi C. Hi C. Um, Tony A. Shout outs to Tony A. Yeah, Rhodium Radio. Um, yeah, that was the first one out of state. But he's talking about like just even. I remember even going to Hollywood Boulevard. This is one of my like fond stories. Is I remember when we first got like our cassettes and our CDs and of our albums. And I remember we had in our backpacks and me and, and and D Bobby. We were like on Hollywood Boulevard. We were passing them out. And by the by the time we got to the end, everybody was bumping the Brown and Proud album, all the mini trucks and everything. And then I also remember that one time where uh, we were on that same night, uh, there was cops that saw us because we were passing out our CDs to yep. some, you know, some gangsters out there, and they saw us all us together. And the cops came up, harassed us, and grabbed our uh, backpacks and slammed them to the floor and stepped and crushed all our CDs, man. That was messed up too. Yeah, but we granted we already had got them out. Those these were the last the, the last of them, but yeah, those are, that, that's one story I always remember, man. We were hustling. We used to yep. go up Boulevard. Up and down, same thing. Just, just passing out the tapes, passing out posters. I mean, uh, you know, and it got to the point where I think you both at one point just you you're tired. You know, it was a lot of work. It was tired, and it was we got burnt. And, and remember, in those days, you didn't have social media to push. It wasn't easy as a DM or as a you know a text message or anything like that. It was just straight. Like we were talking about earlier, man, just posting up poster boards or passing out flyers or. Just vinyls. We go to DJ clubs and pass out our vinyls, meeting meet certain DJs, and that's the way to do it. If you're an artist and you know aspiring one, dude, there's nothing. Word of mouth is the best to me. Still is the best pub, you know, publicity, bro. What was that woman? Well, I met Street Mentality. There was supposed to be a certain stage and certain equipment for, for you guys. And I think there was a box. The stage was was just small. Microphone wasn't working, and they had a they had a uh, Bro, we performed on a uh, the and we still do today. Sometimes, man, we don't care. We'll get down on any stage. But it was the equipment we had. We performed. We used a. I remember one time we did this car show up in L.A. and it was a, a Walkman, and we had to perform off of a Walkman. Our show tape was on a cassette because they didn't have a DAT player. We take DATs, and it was more clear, high quality. But we used a cassette, and the cassette player only reached so far. It was like here's the deck right here we had all this space over here to perform but we had to stay close to this space because either the wired mics didn't reach or or yeah it was the wired mics they didn't reach from the booth it wasn't long enough so we were like literally right next to the sound guy like this and you had all this stage and we were rapping off cassette man we did it all dude 
like uh but that that's that's what you got to do you know and in those days those are where you say hey man did these guys pay their dues yeah we we paid our dues and this is one group that we did and cliff he can attest he was right there with us it's crazy so moving on tj knights and then latin active hits and around this time we switched management well, before you switch the manager, <laughs> we were, we initially were come on man, let's get to no, the good. We're gonna Cliff. get to it. We're gonna get to it. We we had the first version of Latin Active Radio was not really feeling it, but they were you know they were trying to help us out because we as a label was trying to help them out. We did a, what we called we ran out. I think we pressed up a company pressed up ten thousand initial albums and five thousand cassettes and and um, no CDs yet. But we did what they call a running change, which meant after we ran out of product, we had to, you know, we went in and changed Latin Active, we changed Sunday Afternoon, we changed Avadio, and we changed uh, Spill the Spill the uh, right. Spill the Wine, right. yeah, um, to the version that you know you know them as. And we we right went now. in, we added like bass lines to them, we played string synth, all that stuff, just to really beef up the samples. Because remember, when we recorded that album, I think the company called called for an album on a Monday. And we had to have that album done the following Monday. I, we booked four studios. We were just running nonstop trying to just get it done to turn it in. And uh, so a lot of the songs didn't come out the way that we wanted, wanted them to. We were able to you know, back up and, and, and fix them. Even TJ Knights was a sample. But I know you spoke on about this before, but I think the Eagles didn't want us to use the sample yeah, because they didn't, they they didn't, didn't like they the record. They didn't like or, rappers. They didn't like nobody touching their, 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 their stuff. So we had to actually go in and recreate that song. And it also came with a remix. Shout out to Tony G, who did the Club O remix, right? Yes. Oh, for TJ Nice. And then what did B Real did the, um, not B Real. Um, Mugs did spill the rhyme did, later. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You know, um, we had, you know, they had, a, this group had, everything that they really needed even though they thought they didn't every song that they put out there was a video there was major artists who don't get you know that treatment for for you know for, uh, for, for every video you know uh, but it took the label at some point to believe in us because back in the days they just didn't give you a video you had to sell a certain amount or they really had to believe it because i remember those days like okay well we'll see what the single does then we'll give you a video am i wrong no it, well yes and no Russ would always say that he he would never uh, uh, say something that he that would come back to, to bite him in the butt, you know. But we always had treatments, we always had videos ready to go, and we release a record. Maybe two, three weeks later, there was a video, you know, and, and the group was growing. Sorry, uh, the group was growing, you know, slowly but surely with that. Let's move on to the to the manager thing. Okay. Okay. The group at that point felt that I was. Um, um, hindering their their growth which i really wasn't um you know they thought i was um trying to control them which i'm not saying i was controlling them, but I, I didn't do anything that i wasn't doing you know initially but hold up before you get into that which management change are you doing because there were the first two. one yeah there was two the first all right one go for it <laughs> go ahead no <laughs> make sure we're on the same page <laughs> um i had set up a show with them at the celebrity theater it was a bobby ross um Ted was to, um, a CNC Music Factory, Vanilla Ice. No, 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 no. CNC was in um, uh, Santa Barbara. It was Vanilla Ice, um, um, Bobby Ross Avila, and, and you guys. And and CNC. No, CNC was in was in uh, uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, again, um, um, they were you guys had stuff pumped into your head, yeah. which is fine, you know. And I was told not to fight it, and I didn't fight it. Russ said, you know, just let it play out. 
at the same time, Russ had Bobby Ross Avila signed to the to the label, you know. So he, I think, he was with him for or with his dad for what uh, three months. It wasn't it wasn't that that long at all. It was very short when we were Bobby Ross Senior. And but he uh, changed you know, the whole. Yeah, we, yeah, we we talked about that. If you guys missed the last one, you know, there's a link in the description. You can go right here on that one. But we we had talked about he had us up in like Century Twenty One suits. We were talking about that, and we were dancing, and we were doing all this and that, and um, it it just wasn't us. It, it really took us out of our element. It was more of a uh, uh, pop singer thing type yeah. of deal. Because you know his son Ross, that's what he had them doing. So he felt like that was us, but it wasn't really. The concept that we were given to by you wasn't your vision. I mean, come on, like we were wearing, we were wearing suspenders and you know starter caps on our on a broad and proud cover. Like for us to go jump from that to that, it just didn't make sense. And so we started seeing that. But I, you know, I, you made a comment earlier how you said uh, they were in my ear and in our ears and pumping us up. Now that I remember that that that's true. There was a lot of stuff that was said, a lot of stuff that was, uh, you know painted you know you paint a picture and then you know you, you always think as the individual maybe it's greener on the other side you know what i'm saying and, and to the some point where we we thought it, it was and we were young kids we just saw something that wasn't going right with us i whatever that is clip i, I don't know bobby did a lot a lot of the talk most of the talking because you know he was older and 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 bobby would always be in my ear a lot you know what i mean and i was just kind of like you know the, the, the fall around all right well whatever let, let, you know let's do it um, as long as him and I were together, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. And and for whatever reason, um, it was always a money thing. I, I I don't know if that had started at that point to where we felt like we weren't getting. I had heard like we weren't getting what we were supposed to be getting as far in terms of shows goes. We were getting less. So this was brought to me by you know DWTX. And he, and he was like, yeah, no, nah, man, fuck that, man, blah, 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 blah. And I would hear all this and that. And I'm just like, what? That's why I always say, like, I, I didn't care about money getting into this business until I, I, I just wanted to be treated fairly. And according to him, we weren't. So when uh, Bobby Ross Sr. offered us more gigs and X, Y, and Z, it just sounded better. And that, 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 that's all that I remember. I don't know if, if you remember everything else was said to you, the reason or why. Or it, it, it boiled down being the money. You know, I, I people thought I was charging too much as the manager. I was 25% of, of the gross of what the group made from every show. And I felt it was worth it because I put in X amount of money trying to, de, you know, to develop the group. Um, you know, we had dancers. We had Shiro. We had a DJ. We had a road manager. They had, you know, all those people had to get paid. Right. And that's when Bobby's like, well, we could do it ourselves. I'm like, no, you can't do it yourself. You can't do all that and then be the artist, you know, as Very, well. very, very true statement. And I notice a lot of artists think that they can. I've heard that with so many groups since then. You were working at Vons, I think it was. Lucky's. Or, or Lucky's. Yeah. And Bobby was working at Vons. So, you know, uh, you guys want to know when we could have quit it. Said, you guys quit your job when you see me walk into the store and I have a check in my hand. And... That happened. I mean, I, I we were walking in the store, and they called your manager, called your front. I gave you a check, and said you can go. You don't have to work anymore. We went outside, and there was a limousine sitting there. You know, and and uh, he gets in the limousine. Damn. It was just really cool. We go to the next store, pick up Bobby, and you know, from from that point on, they were actually in a position to make money for themselves. You know, um, Robert was always 
the workhorse when it came down to finishing. Bobby, Bobby was always easy to start stuff, but sometimes Bobby didn't want to write, or he didn't feel like filling a song or whatever. Robert would do his, you know, his his part of writing wise. Bobby would recite it, and when it got time to get paid, Robert would get more money than Bobby would, and Bobby was very upset about that. But I said, if you don't write it, you know, you know, you don't, you know, um, you won't make money off of it. Um, I mean, this group. Um, and because I did a lot of the production side as well. You know, he did some production. I think we, we both had our fair of production, right? You had more because Bobby would always try and vent- was venturing off to a different sound or a different style. And I'm like, you know, you guys have this, this lane. It's your lane. Nobody else is in it. Don't, don't try and do what somebody else is doing. Stick here and make your money. You know, um, D was always the more creative one, and like he would come as far as the ideas. Like when it came to like finding the concept, like if you concepted me a, a song, boom, I could write it. Like, all right, I'll put myself in there. But as far as creating, uh, outside of Cliff, well, and Bobby was like, he's the one that concepted hip hop locals, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And, and he's the one that with, 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 with the uh, with the dressing, the inside out dickies, and, and whatnot. And that was his whole thing. And, and just to be up front, like, I wasn't really down with it because I was like, dude, like, stick with the trend, man. Like, we, we, we rocking suspenders. We, you know, we got the starter hats. But I was like, he wanted to be different, and I saw that. So I wasn't really against it either. You know, I I was kind of in between. But here again, I just kind of went along with it. I never wore inside dickies. I never wore what he wore. I know he would buy the beanies and all that. Like you saw in the Spill the Rhyme video, that's what he was rocking. And me, I've always been the cat with the hat and the T-shirt. Well, you know, a lot of artists want to – they, they've got fame or they've got something that's going on and they want to have what the next man has, not realizing that somebody wants what you've got, you know, and you just have to, you know, stay, you know, stay the path. And again, with Russ, instead of fighting, because I didn't want the hip hop album, hip hop locals album. I said, you know what? I, just give me two songs. Y'all just fucking just do what you want to do. And the one was homies. And the other one was, um, um, was Phil, um, Let's, let's back up here. So we we left, ended up leaving senior, and we ended up coming oh, back to you. Coming back. All right. Know, and and uh, I think our conversation was you got on the horn, and, and you started saying, look, guys, either let bygones be bygones, but I know you were just, like, inviting us, saying, look, selling us back. I got this lined up. I got Coca-Cola. I got, I got, I got, I got Japan. I got, I got blah, 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 blah. And after going through what we went through on that side for such a short term with Ross and them, I was like, shit, it sounds better over here. And I've always been that way with you. Like, like you know, you're the concept of it. Like, I got it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm not going to sit here and say, shit, dude, like, I wasn't pissed off at certain scenarios, but that's a relationship. That's how relationships are. You know, you're going to go through these, especially with, your, with each other every single day, yeah. as you mentioned. I mean, we were on the road. If we weren't on the road, we were in the studio, like you, X, Y, Z. So you, it's basically a marriage is what it is, when, you know, when you have, especially when you have a manager. If you're not on the phone, you're in person. So you're going to get tired of some, you know, hearing certain things or you're just going to have differences. And that's why a lot of reasons why groups end up going their separate ways, you know, from their management label or what have you. But I remember you sold us on just coming back. We were unhappy. So like, all right, well, let's dip back over here. Fabian stayed. And I asked Fabe, why? And his aunt's response to me was, um, I just felt like, uh, the way I got from it was he wasn't really sold. Number one, he wasn't sold on 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 lighter shade, right? Being becoming as big as to what we were or what we were eventually about to be. Right. So he didn't believe in that. Secondly, he was a producer. 
and he saw more opportunity with Ross because you know Ross was tied in with New Kids on the Block and 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 he had that whole whatever uh, t- Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis right. and, and you know he was working with and, and that I think was more DJ Fabe's lane. So that's that made sense for him to stay. He rapped on Brown and Proud, and I think that was it on the that Brown and Proud album, right? Exactly. And that was it. That was it. He was a producer. That's what he wanted to do, which I understood, and you know, all good. So it was Bobby and I, D Double, who came back with you, and uh, there's where we continued on. So go ahead, man. When it was a third person, when Fabio was, in, you know, that that Mediator. third guy would yeah, be yeah. the, you know, the, <laughs> you know, be the one to say, okay, either voting for it or not voting for it. And there'd be a lot of times that we would we would have meetings and Bobby would be in a, in a mood or you would be in a mood and just opportunities would not, you know, we couldn't develop it. Um, uh, Jumping forward on the Lollapalooza tour, you know, we had a chance to put you guys on the Lollapalooza tour, which is a big, big tour of, of that time. It was for, like Coachella uh, of yeah. this era. And you guys were hell bound on doing Lollapalooza here in L.A. because everybody knew you. The whole reason you do Lollapalooza is to open up a whole brand new market. Right. You know, we, we wanted to, we got you accepted on, on, on the East Coast one. You guys didn't want to do it. And, you know, uh, just uh, just stop the, the, the growth. All right, of the hold group. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's fair to say that we didn't want to do it. I'll take that. I don't, I don't see that being me, but I'm going to take one for the team. Because if it affects one, it affects the whole team. So I will say that. It was to my understanding that, we had to pay our own way there to Lollapalooza, which meant airfare, van, whatever it was, we had to pay for everything. And at this point, we were already successful off of our records. So we're like, we're thinking, well, shit, we just got offered to be on one of the biggest stages in America. It, to this day, it doesn't get bigger than Lollapalooza. So why wouldn't the record label fund the money to have us out there, or at least meet us halfway or, or something? Am I, I, I wrong? It, I, you're not wrong. Um, uh, well, part of the deal with you guys coming back is, is trans, transparency on, on monies and where they were spent. So, yes, even though the label was going to cover it, it was going to come out of your, you know, out of your, um, it was going to come out of your pocket. Eventually. You know, eventually. They did not see what I saw for, for East Coast. They were happy with what they had. Right. They, you know, they were making money and they didn't want to spend money where they thought it wasn't going to um, benefit them. But I... Wanted a national group. I, you know, Elijah Shader Brown was was. Uh, we had the Latin thing locked down. We were starting to break into the to the black marketplace. So I wanted you to be as big as any black group out there, and 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 I fought hard for that to happen. Uh, I got my ass kicked a lot of times for trying to push you guys into markets like in Philadelphia, for instance. Yeah, we would just uh, everybody loved Latin active, but they wouldn't add the record because we don't have any Latinos in our in our. Right, you know, I remember there being a, a situation you know, with the name. Before they even counted Latinos, there was more Latinos and Dominicans and, and Puerto Ricans in Philadelphia than I don't know where. Right. But they wouldn't play the record. Um, they are scared, do you think? No, they, 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 it was, they didn't want to alienate their core audience, which was a, a black audience. Ooh, got Unbeknownst got to them, in some areas, we had, um, a black, we had more black uh, 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 followership and people liking these records than we had with, with Latinos or whites. Especially when we started touring, like uh, doing promotional tours out in Chicago area, Detroit. And I remember going out there and working our Sunday afternoon single. And you remember the hat? Yeah, yeah, D doubles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, D, Bobby used to wear his hat sideways like this all the time, right? And it's a hip hop thing, it always has been. But not in Chicago. Like in Chicago, 
they knew that we were coming there, and we our video Sunday afternoon was already out. And Bobby, if you see him in the video, he has his hat to the side. Well, I guess one side met one gang. The other side, if you were to this side, was another gang. And I don't know if there were threats met, met, made before yeah, we got there. Were, there were threats made because disciples were going to get on Bobby because he's promoting uh, 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 being a king in the video and coming to the, you know, to the school right in their neck of their, you know, their neighborhood. Yeah. And, and I remember really telling Bobby, you know what? Either don't wear the hat or don't or keep it straight, you know. And he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll keep it straight." And he loved to sometimes just start shit. You know what I mean? And, and <laughs> sounds like <laughs> from what I hear, man, it's you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And he out, He was like a little dude, but he just hey, had. What's up, cut? He would yeah. walk out there on stage, and everything was cool. I think guys, everything. When we got to the last song, he flips it over to the left and just completely caused a whole riot just for. For flipping it, you know, and you know, it was a damn. Bad... I don't remember that. Yeah, what I do remember is the Detroit jacket he bought. Oh yeah, and he bought he he was like set on it. Bobby had to have a jacket everywhere he went, or just sometimes he was spending money left and right. And I used to get upset because my mom would <laughs> have me on an allowance, and you know she would say, "You don't here's your money, you know here's what you're gonna get, and that that's you know use it you know wisely." Bobby would just spend money how he wanted. So he, he every every town he always had to have hats, and he had to have shoes. He was a big fan of shoes, but I remember he was looking for a jacket, and he saw this uh, Detroit jacket, Tigers, and it was a, it was I remember the jacket. It was a leather jacket. Had a, it was a Letterman's jacket. You know what I'm saying? And it had a big D on the back for D double T X. That's disciples in Chicago though. You can't wear that. And that was the first thing. I don't think he ended up wearing it. I think somebody told him yeah, somebody, not to wear it. Somebody checked him on it, and he you know he he didn't wear it. Um, <laughs> You know, we were. You remember we were just. And we uh, had no bodyguards at this time, no. right? We didn't. We didn't, we didn't roll body because we didn't need any. Like we didn't cause trouble. We was just more so off like the fans or the girls that, that would need to be pulled off. Remember that time where uh, some girl pulled Bobby's chain? Oh, he got so. It was in Arizona, <laughs> and we had a we had a freaking line around the building, man. And uh, we did this autograph signings before the show. You know, we'd come into town, we do a meet and greet, autograph signing, then we do the show at night. So we came in for the radio station, and they dropped us off right in front of the crowd, and there was only one entrance, and we got to go through a crowd. It's, uh, it's like the LL Cool J I Need Love video where he's going through the crowd like this, and there's all kinds of fans swarming. And one girl grabbed Bobby's chain and yanked it. Oh, man, he let her have it, dude. He just went, oh, motherfucking dick. I was like, Bobby, come on, come on, come on. And, you know, obviously we couldn't stay there, and he wanted to go back after it, but now, I don't think he ever got it back. Yeah, he did. Uh, some, some, a guy saw it, got it from her, yeah, and held on to it until he got, you know, uh, uh, in line and uh, got the autograph and gave it. Gave it back to her. Yeah. Okay, you know, so uh, he apologized for he didn't know who she was, but yeah, yeah he, he wasn't. He didn't like that. Um, Bobby was also the one when we started doing. We did a show with uh, Too Short in Salt Lake City, and Bobby was uh, accustomed to talking a certain way, and Too Short did not appreciate him saying certain words or you know acting a certain way so is we, that right yeah that's right we were supposed to Ooh, that was, we were supposed that to was go, utah uh, yeah yeah it was utah i you know i remember because I, I remember too short you know we have these riders we order what we want right backstage when we get there so some will order like our what do we get now moons we get like vodka don julio don julio don julio you know what i'm saying <laughs> like it's all alcohol then we'll do some like <laughs> snacks, and snacks. Some water whatever yeah, yeah yeah but at this time too short on his rider he ordered he would order like straight malt liquor like straight 40 ounces old english to be exact and that was the drink of the time so 
I remember uh, we knew that he had that in his uh, backstage. Anyway, make a long story short, we ended up going while he was on stage after we went on and, and go, you know, we we're still in his beers and, and shit. But but go on. It was that show. <laughs> yeah, so, so Short didn't like that. He didn't like. So uh, he didn't like I, the way D was. was using that N-word like it was nobody's business. And you have too short as the performer, and then you got too short as the, person. Know, the individual, the man. And he did not like, he didn't like Bobby's attitude at all. And we didn't get, we were supposed to pick up five of the shows with him, and yeah. he, he didn't like him, so we didn't get those shows. He would use that N word loosely. Very loosely. And you know, it's crazy because nowadays, like more and more, you see Mexicanos using that word, N word. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how do you feel about that as, as a black person? Of course, you know what? I don't care, you know, if it's coming from a, 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 a sense of, 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 of love, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, I get what you're saying. I have no problem with There's it. ways There's of ways saying of, uh, way, yeah. ways you know if it. it's being use it, don't it, abuse exactly. it. Exactly. And, um, I don't use it, you know, but that's not my position to stop another man or, you know, somebody else from using it. Just right. come use it the right way. Right. And that's just a word that, you know, it's another conversation. Yeah, I, another I get it. But, but I just, you personally, I mean. I, I know the question I asked was because it gets brought up a lot in social media is is today's gente, you know, raza, Mexican, Chicanos using the N word a lot in, in, the, in their music. And mm -hmm. um, Moons, I know you, you know what I'm saying? You're an artist. Mm -hmm. Like you don't use it. You know what I mean? I don't mean? use it. You I don't think I've to, ever heard him use it. You know what all. I'm saying? And I, I wonder if it was because it, they were dropped, brought up on Pac and, 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 and so forth. And, I, th I think was, you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you just, you know, you're a fan of the music and if, if Pac said it then, you know. It was cool. It was cool. So you it was cool. It, you know. Right, right. Um, um, do you remember the song? No matter where you go, it's always where you, it ain't where you're from. Was that, was that with you or was that with the, our third album, Laying in the Cut? I was Laying in the Cut. Was that Laying in the Cut? Um, so how you gonna act, black and then yeah, was that, was, the that was Bobby anyway. Yeah. And he got checked in Washington, man. And um, for, for saying the word black, because at that time, that word was popular as well. It was, it was a slang, you know, there's slang terms that go on throughout the years. And but what they also don't understand is we, we shared a universal audience. It wasn't right. just Latinos, you right. know what I'm saying? Even though we were, you know, Chicanos doing it. But, you know, our audience was broad. Contra Villa, I think, was on the first album. Right. And then um, uh, something with Cesar Chavez on the second album. Yep. You guys didn't didn't see why um, why I it was important to me to have you guys discuss or do a song about. I'm glad you brought that up, Cliff, because we we never discussed this. The beginning of this interview is how Big Lady K brought 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 us onto you, and why did you decide to finally work with us? As a group, there was nobody out there. I like to be the big fish in a small you know in a small pond, but the there was the the. The, the family aspect of it, you know, people, you guys stay with your grandmother and your uncles and your cousins, and there, there, there's, there's a family unity about it. Right. And there was nobody out there um, um, uh, speaking on the, 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 you know, the lifestyle, you know, or, or you have public enemy doing all this stuff, but they were very pro-black. My whole thing was to uh, expose, you know, Latin side of things, you know. That idea must have came after you finally decided to meet with me because I know, because if you were concepting that before, then you would have said yes right away when Big Lady K wanted to introduce me the to The concept you. with you guys came after, you know, after 
you know, uh, uh, seeing what could be. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just started writing down the songs, the samples, just, just the ideas and the concept of this group could just be the biggest group ever. And, and that was mine. Hey, man. You know? I got to give it up, dude, mm -hmm. because when I came to him, I was a battle rapper. Bobby was a copycat rapper. You know, he, he or, or I don't know if he ever battled, but you know, he was known for doing other people's voices. I was a battle rapper. But when, when Cliff, and I've said it before, when you, when you gave us this concept, like I said, you give me an idea, I'll write with, okay, well, we're going to concept this album. But little did I know, he was like, I remember the conversation we had about Sunday afternoon. You were like, look, dude, Will Smith has got summertime. You know what I'm saying? Or Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince, however you want to call him. Now paint that picture of you, your heritage, your culture, you know, going to the park. You guys go to the park on Sundays. Talk about what you guys do. Am I right? Yep. Write about what you guys eat. You know, they, they barbecue and rip. You, you're doing carne asada, lamping on the grill. So that's how that was. I think that was just so dope, man. And, and that should have been a bigger off. record than it was. Contractualized, there were some things that were going on, and the label suspended the contract, which means any promotion on that song, everything was, was, was dead until October that year. So it was a summer record that was promoted, in, you know, in the fall. And... It didn't have the, the, the empowerment that I wanted, but there were some songs back in the day that Wonderful Summer by, I forgot her name, but she had, uh, it was a number one record for her. It was a summer record that came out, you know, in, in the fall time. Mm. But everything that I tried to do was season, you know, was to, each set was supposed to make the group just become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you know. And we can go back and forth the stories and, and give us a big like right now, man. If you, if you like these stories, you like hearing the memories, if that's what you hear on this podcast for, because we got plenty of them, plenty of them. And we can sit here for at least another half an hour and just yep. go over the stories because uh, so many speak and come to mind. And, and as I say that, I remember recording. Okay, let's jump from the Brown and Proud to the Hip Hop Locals album. We got on that. And as you mentioned earlier, you just, I think you said you wanted two songs and you let us do our work on that. And I remember recording at Paramount. And uh, those were the days we did some there. We, you know, we did some at uh, uh, Image Department. One. After that, I remember you you assembled a Hip Hop Locals tour, and this was like our fish. We didn't have an official Brian and Proud tour, but this Hip Hop Locals tour was the one. It was time to go on. It consisted of uh, Lighter Shade, Street Mentality, shout outs to them, um, another act that you signed. Um, also, ALT, part of Latin Alliance, Think Into Deep, JT, and all them. They, they was part of it. You're, am I missing anybody? Frost. Frost was on a couple yes, shows. But he wanted his own. Um he wanted his own trans, you know, uh, he didn't want to ride with us. Okay. <laughs> if you remember, you know. And um, I, I want to say uh, Oregon and then ended up to Canada. But there was one incident where I think somebody got jacked. Didn't we get jacked for our equipment or something? We got jacked in Canada. Bobby had went back to the van to get something, actually, uh, to get his, um, 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 his package. Okay. And he did not securely lock the van. We come back out maybe 30 minutes later, and the back of the van, just the doors were like swinging in the wind. Everything was gone. Luggage. We hadn't crossed the border yet. No, we were, we were at the venue. We had already crossed the border. Oh, snap. You know, we everything was gone. Yeah. And uh, the guys that helped save us, I, forgot, I can't remember the names. They were a group. They had a record store. They were concert promoters, and um, they had equipment that we could use because we came with our own equipment at that time right you know and um 
it was that that was really devastated because that I mean that was like everything was was gone promotional items just everything right you know and and I went to strangle that boy just because he didn't he they still wait didn't they still ALT's drum machine or, or turntables turn Every, everything that was in yeah turntable because I remember was bringing in, that up it was in the in the van was yeah. gone you know uh, turntables clothes hats um, um, drum machines just everything I never had that feeling like being in a whole other country and just all your stuff is gone and you had a show that you had to do so how do we end up doing the show was it with like ADATs or or we not actually, ADATs or DATs we did it off of our we, we did voiceovers that was the first time because I always wanted to make sure that the group did live vocals that's right that's right you know so people know that they because there was a point where people said okay you just got some some black guys to just do some okay rapping and then you put these guys you know picture on the cover and they didn't believe that you know Latin cats could could flow like that Ooh, that is so you know, key um, right there that's, that's a good so, point so but we, we that was the first time we did um, where you guys did over your um we wrapped over our vocals, over vocals, basically, yeah. And we weren't lip singing; we just did that over. And, and I can't forget about, and I always got to bring this because one of my biggest memories when we performed at Six Flags Magic Mountain with uh, Marky Mark. Yep. And that was the the biggest show, and I think the most the, the shows that I get approached about the most is is that show right there in particular with Six Flags. I mean, that was probably like other than maybe the you know the the KML Summer Jams and all that and. And Phoenix summer jams and, but that was six out the most biggest audience, the most money that I've ever gotten, you know, for the group, and which is a whole nother story for another day because I there, there were times that I tried to get more money for you guys and there'd be another rap, another rap act or a black rap act getting ten times what I was getting for you guys and you guys were bigger than they were you had, just had more record sales but because of the fact that you know you weren't black I couldn't get. You know, um, that's so you know, deep right we, there, bro. You'd be like, so you'd be surprised the bullshit that we had to go through to position you guys or to be fairly, to be fairly compensated. Yeah, and it just it just boggled my mind. And yes, I would get as much as I could, and I, I always felt you do the show because who knows, that one show could lead to a bigger show, you know. But you know, it's like um, we never understood that. Sometimes today, like even I, we were talking the other day and he had mentioned something about doing one show and that could lead to other things. And here we are 30 plus three, three plus years later. And I'm like, well, shit, dude, I've already like kind of paid my way. Like I've already paid the dues. Like, but I get it now. Like you still have to, if you're trying to get, you know, bust down this door, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta give a little, you know what I'm saying? Just to at least show your face, like out of sight, out of mind. Well, why should we put you on this big ass tour? Sure, we know what you've done over here, but we want to know what you can do. What, you know, why we should put you on here? Let's let's see something, right? Um, we ended up parting ways though. Um, after a while, and I'm trying to remember. I, I always had to come down to money. It had to be something. I think we were. And somebody was in our ear telling us, you know, Cliff is doing you wrong, man. You ain't you ain't getting paid what you're supposed to be getting paid. And you know, I, I think one promoter told us at one point that that they paid us you know this much but it would you know and we were like what we only got this much and they were like well we paid clip this much and if i knew now when i knew back then i would have gotten his ass about that because you, you don't you don't do that and second of all again i never hit anything there were charges you know and 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 i remember after we got you guys your cars right um 
guys got your, your, your first cars. We had a show somewhere and you wanted to bring in like six guys and Bobby wanted to bring in seven guys. We bought them in. But when you when we were recouping our thing, why am I paying for this airfare? Why am I paying for this and that? Because you guys wanted it. You know, you asked for it. The, you know, you were in a positive with the label. So they covered it. Yeah, but the recoup money had nothing to do with the show money. The show money was instant. No, but well, with the show money, though, there were, there were, we had, what do we do? I was still at 25%. We still had Shiro. We still had um, the booking fee. So the overhead the fee, I, I, I get what you're saying, because when you sign with the booking fee, they, they already take 30%. Right, so that day. had to come off. You know, I still made my 25% off of the gross. So if it was a $10,000 show, I still made my money off of 10000 If the booking agency wind up taking, let's say, 2000 you guys felt that I should be take my, do my charge off of, you know. That's fair. And, and we did have yeah, we did have extra people that came with us. But see, we don't know that. You know, when record labels say, you know, hey, man, you wanted these limousines. You wanted these fancy dinners. You wanted this and that. And you wanted to act like, you know, you want to live the good lifestyle. And, you know, that money's got to come from somewhere. They'll front it. But they're going to get their money back somehow, you know, and, and that's usually later on off of your royalties. And, and you wonder why I haven't seen my residuals, my royalties, is because you got to be recouped, right? Even, even in today's world, you know, there's going to be recoupment. With you guys going to Mercury, I said uh, nothing to I wanted you to stay at quality. I did not want you to go to Mercury. I think Mercury had, they just signed Nasty Boy Click with Glass Note Records. Yeah. And they assigned, they picked up Frank and um, um, Ernie. Um, Proper dose. Proper dose. So, you know, they were, you know, that label at the time was trying to just grab everybody. Why would you want to be at a label and there's two other groups similar to you, right? you know, over there? It, it didn't make sense. Stay at home. Just come in for the third album, the single, uh, Hey DJ. Shit, that, that was supposed to be, that was supposed to be the single that would, you know, solidify you. Right. And it did okay, but it didn't solidify you. Right. You know, what happened was, is we ended up leaving um, Cliff management. We, we jumped in the, in the seat with DJ Paul, DJ P, Paul Stewart, West Coast, Def Jam, you know, managed Coolio, Montel Jordan, uh, Warren G. And, you know, we saw bright lights. We were like, this is where we need to be, you know, because, you know, as an artist, you always want to think further. You always want to think bigger and better from what you think. So, you know, we met DJ P and. Uh, he ended up uh, shopping us a record deal. wasn't that hard because we were already established, you know. So he walked us into a couple of them, and finally is where we got it. You know, he got us to deal with Mercury. And I'm gonna stop right there because I I know the reason why, as I feel why we ended up taking that deal. And I won't get into this now. Maybe we'll have DJP on later on in the future, which I plan to get so I can get his perspective of the whole situation how it went down with the Lane in the Cut album. Um, and that whole situation scenario but um when i did get when we did get signed to mercury i will say this we got lost we got lost in the motherfucking shuffle because being on a major label you you know you have to put up the numbers and they got money they're going to put out the money for you they got the money all day which quality sometimes that's the biggest to me was, was their downside was their downfall was they didn't there was a whole lot of Palooza situation. I feel like they didn't want to invest the money in the group or they didn't have the money. This, these were my thoughts. Maybe you have a different perspective. So when we saw Mercury, a bigger label, they had bigger money. I was like, yeah, they're going to spend the money. 
Well, they may have the money, but they may not know how to market us. And it's different. It's like going to a mom and pop shop versus a major franchise. You know, it's like mom and pop. You're going to have that more one-on-one -on -one interaction with Cliff. We have that more one-on-one -on -one interaction with, uh, with quality. I could walk into Russ's office anytime I wanted with, 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 with Mercury, which was on the East coast, mind you, you know what I'm saying? We, we would have to fly over there to go meet with them. This was a company that did not even know who Lowrider Magazine was and didn't know how to market us. And that was the biggest red flag right there. I do remember that. And it was like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to put you, we're going to shoot a video on up top. We're going to uh, hook you up with so-and-so, um, top, top producer, and we're going to put your single out. And it was like, all right, well, what's the plan? Are we are we touring? Are we, are we doing Lowrider show? What's Lowrider? Being what? With, being with Paul <laughs> should have been... On paper, it should have been beautiful. And it wasn't. He just wanted bragging rights. Everybody wanted bragging rights. And he knew that there was a problem. So everybody was like trying to trying to position themselves to say who, who got a hold of the group. Every artist that I've signed to whatever record label is, you know, I was at that label because I know, you know, how to how to how to finance the money out of it. I know what I felt was right for that group. Re referring back to the Lollapalooza, the label didn't think they, they didn't want you guys part of it. I did. They said, we'll front it, you know, and, and you guys just pay it back. It was very, very important for me to have you on that tour because that would have been more t MTV exposure. That would have been East Coast exposure that could yeah. have been open up doors more, you know, uh, for international. Right. One know? thing you said, I'm going to cut you off, but one thing you said on, on, on Tony A's podcast is that, and it made sense, we're like, having us go over there to the East Coast, like you said, would have opened up more markets for us, but we were more comfortable with where we were already stars, like the cities we were, the South Southwest region. You know, we were comfortable with that. Meaning, why grow? Why go further? We're like, we're already accepted here with our own people, our own gente, our own markets. We didn't want to grow further. And you know what? And I, I bite the bullet on that one because we, we should have listened. Because you get in this industry not just to rap for your gente, you know what I'm saying? You want to be popular. You want to be mainstream. If we're mainstream already, then we want to appeal to the masses. And uh, that that's something that I know, like even going into Brazil, and we like we never toured those places. And for whatever reason, you know, we just were in our little comfort zone, and that was the Southwest region. That was California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and we would like we would cycle out these states, right? Yep. And we would stay. And, and Cliff always wanted to take us in the East Coast. So, you know, I, I remember that. I commend you on that. Really quick, bro. Really quick. And, and, and I, I have to touch upon this. What was your thought when you heard, really quick, about D's passing, DWTX? I was pissed. I always told him that if he had, I mean, unbeknownst to maybe you or a lot of people, I was, I can't even explain how much money I spent how many times I would bring him somewhere that we could try and get him, him and Johnny Z down in San Diego, you know, um, was really helpful in trying to get him clean. We didn't want nothing from him. You know, I didn't, he would do stuff with somebody and they try and get him clean enough to make an album or to do four songs and then just let him go. We were really, really trying to, 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 to just, it was a very Savages. hard, you know, hard, you know, monkey on his back. And I mean, um, I was very disappointed. I was, I was 
you always had a place to call. And I know that that particular situation, so many stories that I've heard about it, but he, you know, uh, when there were times when he really didn't, he'd call and we'd get him and try and, you know, help him out. But, well, you were one of many. I mean, my, my mom was there. Uh, I know he would she would spend hours on the phone. Bobby would just wouldn't stay on the phone for a couple of minutes for hours. And sometimes he was sober. Sometimes he was drunk in a different state. But I know my mom was there for him. For She would take a lot of those calls. And I'm sure you did, too. I think at, at some point when you're in that state, though, it's it's like no matter who's around you, no matter who loves you, it, you have to make that decision on your own. Right. Right. And, you know, so. I don't know, you always hope that this last time that you do something with him will be the last time that you know you have to worry about him. But I mean, uh, he was always good at hooking up. He was the reason I signed Brown Boy. Yeah, he was the reason that um, 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 we got connected with the with Greenside. And, and even then, I um, you know Tony and Andy Herrera wanted me to work with, but you guys were hell bent against that. And you know Tony spent a lot of money, uh, uh, you know, on you guys trying to, you know. Um, prop you up and really you know take advantage of stuff and Bobby was a yes and then you were no so then Bobby became a no instead of really you yeah. know debating things out and so you guys are one of those groups that can honestly say that you know you went from, from nothing to having a very very successful career you know um, and and having chart singles and videos and everything a lot of groups don't you know don't have that right but I, I was mentioning earlier I feel that the group as far as I'm concerned you know, I, I hit a, a playing baseball. You know, I hit the ball, got me to second base, and I want to get to the third base. I mean, uh, to home. And I still think with anything that we can work out, you guys have that choice to get there. We got to still get your gold records. We got to get you the Hollywood Walk of Fame star. There's a lot of stuff that. Ooh, to, Cliff, uh, don't start working, man. Yeah. He still wanted. We got all these years later, man, and, and uh, we still got a gold record sitting there. But he wants to get it certified, so. That's what I plan to do, bro. And I'm glad that we reconnected. And there's a reason why, you know, we did that. I thank you for coming to the platform, the blockout, man. And, you know, welcoming you here. It's been so many years. And I, and I feel, you know, a sense of I think there's a reason why we've come around again. And, you know, I'm willing to see what the future holds for us, man. So let's let's make that happen, man. Definitely. All right. Hey. Richie Jr., yeah. man. Thank you guys. Oh, that's one of the dopest podcasts ever. <laughs> this is the man, creative, lighter shade of brown, founder of many, many other acts that have went on to do other things. And uh, we want to thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you guys tag somebody on this. Make sure you share this everywhere, whatever platform it's on. Give us a big like. And uh, thank you for once again watching on the Block Blockout Podcast. Danny. Take us out, brother, man. Let's get it. Like you said, man, subscribe. Tell your mama, tell your papi, whatever. Let them know the Blockout Podcast is coming to a city near you.